Welcome to Dating in the Bay, Bubbles Before Boys. I'm Sarah. I'm Rebecca. And on this podcast, we talk about dating and relationships over champagne. Let's be real. Modern dating is basically the Wild West. We want to make dating more fun and share our dating stories with you to lighten the load. All right. Welcome back to Dating in the Bay, our second episode. Our second episode being recorded almost two months post first episode. And I'm Rebecca. I'm in San Francisco in quarantine. And I am Sarah. And I am in Boise, Idaho, also in quarantine. Although restrictions are slowly being lifted here now, we entered phase one of reemergence into normal life today. And that really means nothing other than businesses are starting to prepare to open again. And over here, we're on day 46 or 47 of our shelter in place. And we have at least another month. I know. So yeah, we were saying before we started recording, this has basically had such an impact on all of our lives, including our dating lives or lack thereof. So we're definitely going to dive into that today. Yeah, absolutely. I know Rebecca and I talk regularly, and I know that she has done quite a bit more virtual dating than I have. So she may dominate this conversation today because unfortunately, I don't have many great stories to share because I've kind of, I think I've taken a different approach than she has and have just kind of decided that I'm not going to date during this period. (laughs) I've been on the dating apps. But I will swipe and match and then I just let it hang there and nothing ever happens with the exception of one, one person that I did meet up with. It's socially distant date, but I know that a number of people, it's been really interesting talking to friends and hearing what their approach has been and how they're feeling about this. And many of them have said that their moods just go up and down in regards to, well, just life in general, but also dating and their thoughts about dating. So I know it's just a strange time for everyone and it can feel like hopeless, but also like that you're more able to connect in some ways too. And that's not just dating, but with friends because everything's going virtual now, which opens up. I know Bumble has Was it you that was telling me about Bumble that opened up? Yeah. yeah. So prior to COVID-19, you could only match with people in your city or like within a certain radius, designated radius. And now you can match with anyone all over the country and world, I think, right? Literally anybody. Yeah. I've found these random guys who are in Italy and Florida. And I'm like, what are you doing? Get out, get out of this clutter. Come on. Just, I didn't even realize that half the time. Yeah. Well, before I forget, I want us to cheers to our Sophia champagne. We are still open to a sponsorship. If and when ever listen to us. Hey, Sophia, we love you. And we are actually drinking Sophia. We are. We both have our cans and we can see each other on our screens, even though we're recording remotely. At least somewhere in the world. We are keeping with tradition. Yes. Someone in the world, aka someone in Boise and someone in San Francisco right now, us both drinking the same thing. To piggyback off of the quarantine 
dating. I feel like for me, I've been on this bizarre roller coaster where every day is like a year. I feel like I've had eight different iterations of my own dating life in this entire warp of a time. But my overall conclusion is that guys are really horny and I have no idea what I'm doing still. That's pretty much my thesis of all of the dates that I've gone on, lots of market research. Yeah. I think that it's just revealing their true colors, this period. Yeah. So I have a really funny story that I've been waiting to tell Sarah. <laughs> I've been teasing you over and over again about the story. I know. But this is one of my favorite quarantine dating stories that I've just been dying to tell you. Let me find the screenshot. Okay. So basically, I did a post about this, but I don't think most of you guys probably follow the Dating the Bay account, which... I encourage you to follow. And Sarah's going to be starting to make appearances on it as well. I was supposed to start making appearances yeah. several weeks ago and I still haven't, but <laughs> it's okay. It's, stay tuned. You're going to surprise everybody. Yeah. So fast forward to me kind of like falling on my face several times in a ton of FaceTimes, not even knowing where to look. Now I have a little sticky note on my face, so I'm not even distracted. I can just see Sarah, which is way better. But the point is, is that I finally started getting the hang of how to do these FaceTime dates. And then I ended up getting all these fuck boys. I don't even know if I can swear, but oops. This is your podcast, so you can do anything. Yeah. It's our podcast. Okay. So I'm going to show you this picture and I'm going to describe it for everybody else. Wait, can you see this? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> so this is, okay. The worst part is that, okay. First, I'm just going to explain this picture. It's this 31 year old attractive male in his parents' bathroom with floral wallpaper. He's wearing nothing except covering himself with a baseball cap and a smirk. (sighs) That was the second picture that he sent me. Wait, how do you know he was in his parents' bathroom? Because he told me. Because so he, this is the worst part, is that I found out that he's divorced from a friend of mine who I didn't know that was her ex-husband because I had no, I'd never met him. Ugh. And he went to my undergrad. Anyways, a series of very unfortunate events. But we had a normal FaceTime. We talked about like, fishing, even though I don't fish. And, you know, it was just very, it was very like flirtatious and fun and lighthearted. And then somehow in between that FaceTime and then the second one, these pictures just started popping up. And then we were supposed to have a FaceTime date and I bailed on it. And I kind of, well, I kind of just was like, oh, I have like, I have something to come up because it kind of seemed like he wanted to have phone sex from what he was alluding to with his other text messages to me. And he was like, I hope you're getting like warmed up for our call. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, I think he might have the wrong idea. So I made up an excuse so that my friend had an emergency. And then he's kept on texting me saying, like, even as of two days ago, he was like, How's your friend? And then I said, I was like, you know, I'm my friend's fine. Thank you for asking. Just to be perfectly clear, I'm not interested in sexting with anyone right now, let alone a stranger that I've never met. Um, just trying to go on normal dates like a normal human. A stranger who is quarantining with his parents and taking photos in their florally wallpapered bathroom. Thank you. Next. Bye, boy. Yeah. I've, I've honestly just been repulsed by most of them. I mean, this is just... And that the, like, the word, not that I have a favorite app, but he was from Hinge and I usually trust Hinge a lot more, but I've been finding this more and more buff boys are infiltrating Hinge, which is like, you have Tinder for that, or you have Bumble, which is like always kind of teetering on a Tinder-esque vibe, but don't take 
segue for me. That's like my one go-to. Yeah, I know. That's same for me. And it's interesting you say that because I actually Hinge started in Washington, D.C., which is where I lived for nearly 10 years. And I actually, when the app started, I was living in a group house with one of the founders. And Wait, really? Yeah. So there were two people that founded it. And he was, I shouldn't have said founder, but he was like their app designer. So he like didn't actually, he wasn't like one of the two founders, but he was in it from the get-go. And Hinge was supposed to be like the anti-Tinder. And it's, I feel like all of the apps at some point evolved to be the Tinder. I feel like Bumble used to be that too. Like it used to be the safe, sweet space. And now it's becoming more and more like Tinder. So it will be interesting to see how there's so many young dating apps. And Rebecca and I were talking about this last night about one of my good friends actually recorded today a podcast for this new app called Vouch. Actually, I think it was started a few years ago, but it's a baby app. And there's all these little ones that are trying to be like counter to the whole cookup culture. But I feel like they all end up being that eventually, like those people find their way to those apps. I also was thinking today, I was like, what if we just made an app for all of just like the fuck boys, like not in a good way, but just so that we clutter out so that we can not include them in our pool. Because I mean, do the fuck boys, do they admit to be fuck boys? Like, are they proud of it? Or would they actually get on those apps? It's like there's sugar daddy websites, you know, like you can actually get on a sugar daddy website if you're looking for a rich husband and vice versa. Anyway. So have you gone on any dates? Yeah. So I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I have gone on one date and I've done zero virtual dates because I, I detest FaceTime and Zoom and just feel like it would be incredibly awkward to meet somebody in that space. It's actually not that bad. I know. I know that's what you say. I just, I'm not even awkward. I just like don't like the idea of, I think that I'm so reliant on in-person cues and like getting that feeling and sense in person. And I feel so much more confident too. It's not just like me assessing their character that I worry about via virtual. But it's like, I think for me, I just feel like better. I always want to meet somebody in person, because I feel so much more confident. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I mean, the exact same way. I think most people, this is not an ideal dating, you know, there's, you can't make out with anybody, you can't touch their arm, there's nothing physical happening. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, not even the physical for me. Like, I think I just am more like, even if I were doing an interview for a job, say, I'd much rather meet in person because I'm much more confident in person. And I'm much more confident in my ability to like connect with people in person than I am over a laptop and staring at them. And there's an ugly filter on FaceTime and Zoom. I'm convinced. But did you know that Zoom now has a touch it up filter? Yes. So I support that for people using... I've used it. Yeah, see? It's very subtle. It's not like a crazy filter like anything you'd see on Instagram. It's just like this very subtle, just kind of smooths your face a little bit. Just very like unnoticeable. <laughs> okay, so back to my my little dating escapade. So I, after like a few weeks in Boise, I started to get a little bit bored and 
I finally caved and was like, okay, I'm going to get on the dating apps and just like see what's out there. And I actually ended up matching with a bunch of people that I was interested in talking to. So I started some conversations and started talking to this guy. And we just had this really fun conversational banter going. And that's something I really value especially in the initial stages of like getting to know somebody before I meet them is like a sense of humor and an ability to be like fast and witty and punny. And he was also really smart. And so it was like this perfect mix of like intellectual conversation and just silliness. And that's the ideal mix for me. And I get excited about a person when I like both are there and present. Uh, What did you like about his profile like that caught your eye that honestly it wasn't it wasn't I well I guess his profile so he actually had sections and if we're just talking about his profile like he'd actually filled out the sections you know I I cannot especially here in Boise it's not as much of an issue in San Francisco or DC where I feel like people are just overachievers and want to really stand out as if they're like submitting a resume for a potential hookup or wife or it's there's a huge difference between what I see in more in smaller cities and maybe more rural settings than what I see in large cities where I think people just tend to be a bit more competitive so here it's like after I've swiped for a while it's usually I just start seeing pictures of people out fishing and then there's like two words and it's just not, you know, not like I like I like hunting, skiing, and beer, and like white claw. <laughs> yeah, and so it's you know it's a little bit more difficult here, but at the same time, the upside is is that when you find a good profile you immediately connect with that person and they actually want to talk to you immediately because the pool is a lot smaller here. So that's like the advantage in my opinion is it's easier. You're you're a big fish in a small pond in a smaller city. And so it's easier to find the other big fish. Whereas when you're in a big city and there's such a huge pond, there's so many fish swimming, you you can't find those fish that you're compatible with. And there's so many other fish that you could be compatible with. So you'll keep swimming, trying to find other compatibles, even if you've already met someone you're compatible with. That's my brilliant analogy for you today. I just want to find Nemo. He's swimming around there. (laughs) We do. I, I want Nemo. Hopefully Nemo twins for both of us. Yeah. Anyway, I'll try to make this short. So I started talking to this guy. He had recently moved from New York, actually via Salt Lake. So he grew up in New York, then was in Salt Lake for a few years, then moved here. And he just, I could just tell by what he'd written in his profile that he was well-written and educated and smart and funny. There were just several lines there that gave me the impression that, okay, like it could be there. So we started talking and we just had this hilarious conversation. I sent Rebecca screenshots. I loved every page. It was wonderful. So we ended up meeting up in a park. And it was like undefined what we were going to do, but we were both agreed that we would remain socially distant, six feet apart. And it ended up being just this really cold day. We'd had a series of warm days leading up to it. And then, of course, the day we met up, it was freezing. And by freezing, I'm being a wimp. It was not that cold. It was probably like 55. 
but it got, we met around 6 p.m. and it started to get windy and cold. And I was wearing this exact same sweatshirt that I have on now. I just like self-imposed quarantine uniform. Another story that we have about our little uniforms that we wear, but it's a red sweatshirt with the Golden Gate Bridge on it. And it's a 49er sweatshirt that was made for the Super Bowl. But it's not like you couldn't really tell it was a 49er sweatshirt if you looked at it, but it has like kind of a little helmet on it. It's super cute. Yeah, I love it. I've worn it almost every day for the past two months. <laughs> That's how my quarantine life is going. Anyway, so we met up and it was just like, I think it was a combination of two things. It was one, just being a strange environment to meet up on a first date. We were sitting on this picnic table. We both brought alcohol. He brought a bottle of disinfectant. <laughs> Wait, did you guys bring drinks to share or you? Well, so we did because we'd been talking about it leading up to it. And I actually told him I had Sophia's and there was like all, we already had all these inside jokes before we met because we've been talking for a while. So I brought Sophia's and he brought, he brought his, his fruit. And that consisted of these like fruity spritzers that oh. were, yeah, like I Ooh. had no desire to drink. <laughs> so he tried to give me one of those and I was like, oh, I think I'll stick with, I think I'm good. But I brought, but do you want one? And so he ended up drinking mine. So he like disinfected <laughs> my can, but had this huge bottle <laughs> disinfected. It was like, I'm not exaggerating. It was probably at least a foot tall. It's like Costco. Yeah. He brought it in his backpack, but it just, so we'd had this great banter going back and forth leading up to it. And then when we met in person, it just was like not there. And I, it wasn't that the conversation was awkward. It just felt very vanilla to me and very boring. And Part of it, though, I think was I was freezing, he was cold. And it was kind of just like the go to get to know you questions the entire time. And then after an hour, I, I said, you know what, I am so cold, which was the truth. I was not even trying to get out of it. I was literally cold. And it wasn't like, we couldn't go anywhere. You know, we couldn't go inside anywhere. There was nowhere to go. I wasn't going to have him get in my car. So we had no choice but to end the date. And he has followed up. He has been so persistent since then. And I I have admittedly been blowing him off. And I feel really bad about it. But I just didn't really have a desire to go out again. And I thought maybe I would, but I just haven't just haven't gone there yet. And I I don't really know. It's like there's this block and I think a lot of it is that one, I don't live here. So the viability of like it going anywhere with him is very slim long term. Two, I didn't really feel that spark. But then that's coupled with this guilt that I'm feeling because I was like when we said goodbye, he's like, let's do this again. I was like, Oh yeah, of course. Which I'm guilty of doing even when I'm not Oh, I always I always do the same thing. Yeah. Even when I'm not interested, because I don't want to hurt their feelings. And then he texted me immediately after the date. And we ended up talking for two hours that night, right after the date. And you already know that you didn't like him. after the date. No, I think, well, I've been, you know, I'd had several glasses of wine and I think it takes me, I think a while to digest feelings after a date and how I feel about a person, especially if there's been alcohol, which there usually is. So I, I like needed to give myself time. And I just like the next day, I didn't feel excited about it. And I think that that's usually 
a good indicator that it's probably not right. But it's hard to know. And, you know, I hear people say both. I People that have told me that when you you know, you know, it's there. The spark is there. When I met my husband, I knew on the first date. And then other people that have told me, oh, I hated him when I met him the first time. And it took me months to warm up to him or, you know, it took four dates or five dates before that spark was there. But I think from previous experience in dating, it's never been the latter. It's almost always been the former for me. And so I'm always very hesitant to continue dating or go out a second, third, fourth time with someone now because I have done that in previous relationships or pseudo relationships and stayed in it so long and those feelings never grew. And then I felt like I dug myself farther in and was leading that person on and then I felt bad and it was harder to get out of it. No, I I think it's so valid because it's such a hard balance to give somebody I mean, first of all, I will say the reason that I've been super hesitant to even go on any in-person dates is that for me, I'm super like, I want to like touch their arm and feel like I'm kind of have that physical chemistry. And with this, it's like, you can't do that. And so I feel like it's kind of going in with, you know, three different things that are missing. So I feel like it's just a, a really, there's also with you guys in the park, there's not any like there's not a bartender who's entertaining you or there's not like some goofy couple making out that you can be like, oh my gosh, like let's bond over how crazy this like drunk couple is and it's 6pm or there's no external stimuli to like, you know, have any conversation. So it's literally just you guys and nobody else. And that's just so not normal for dating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was so awkward. It wasn't awkward, but it was the environment, as I said earlier, just felt so foreign. And I've been on so many first dates. And this, of course, as is the case for everyone that's trying to date right now, was like felt like navigating new territory with like blinders on, you know, it's just like had no idea where this was going to go. And no option for, like you said, no option for normal protocol, like everything was just, you know, different. We weren't meeting at a bar, which is usually what happens on a first date if there were feelings, there would be no touching. And I, you know, I had to think about that going into it. We had to sit apart from each other on this picnic table. He was on one end, I was on the other. I don't know if it was a full six feet, but was it on the same side or across? We were across from each other and like, didn't even sit right across. So like we were on separate sides of the table. And then Let's say I was on the right, he was on the left. Okay. So as far as we could be on the picnic, but that's so awkward too. Like sharing a drink with someone, it's windy. So you're yelling across <laughs> the picnic table and there's geese quacking around you. And <laughs> Well, and it's also hard enough, both for virtual dating and also for these, like the walks as well, or the park dates. It's someone that you don't know, you don't have any foundation. It's already awkward enough to do that with a friend to be like, we have to stand six feet apart. And that's my friend, let alone a complete stranger that you want to have a romantic relationship with. That's just like putting so many hurdles in front of having any sort of connection. I mean, it's just like, good luck. (laughs) It's still really, it's a wild, wild west now. Before it was the wild west. Now it's the wild, wild west. Yeah. I think that the approach you've taken is better than mine, if you really do want to try to forge a relationship. And I know that you've been on 
a number of virtual dates and had some really long conversations with guys. And I'm kind of curious what you even talked about for four hours on a first date. I mean, in my mind, that's like that, that means there's a connection. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I thought. Cause like, okay. So just to preface this is that like the first couple that I did, I mean, it was kind of, so remember at the beginning when this whole thing happened, it was kind of fun because everybody was like, we're going to do happy hours and you can FaceTime anybody at any hour. And it's like totally acceptable. And now I'm like, don't you dare FaceTime me without asking me your permission. <laughs> My permission. Like I'm definitely declining that. Now it's just, it's really set in and the consequences just seem, I don't know. I feel like but before it was just like, oh yeah, like we'll just do a fun, like, I don't know, FaceTime date and I'll just wear whatever I'm wearing and like not really care. And I wasn't treating them like they were anything serious. And I think that's like, I wasn't really, I wasn't just getting in my mode of like, I will say not to toot my own horn. The only thing I'm good at in terms of dating is a first date. I will pretty much always nail a first date. Everything else is pretty much a complete disaster, but an in-person first date, I pretty much have like a good ROI on that. Cause I feel like I kind of just, I always wear the same outfit, the Rebecca show where I'm like, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to have my talking points and like, you know, just enjoy the person and either way, like have a good time and get to know them. Have you ever though thought that, okay, so here we are, we're still single that because I, so I used to wear the same thing on every first date and I also have a good first date ROI or at least did for a number of years. And then yeah, I, I did. But when we were allowed to go to bars. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like over the past year, it's been a little bit different, but I, there was a period in my, my dating life when I, I would walk into a date almost a hundred percent confident that the guy would want to go out with me again. And I, that sounds so conceited, but I felt very confident because that's how it usually went. And I always wore like the same thing and had like the same kind of conversation starters. But then I'd often ask myself, huh? Like, you know, and some of those first dates led to relationships. And, you know, so I guess I could say that in a way, some of them were successful, but none of them worked out. And so then I'd start to question like, oh, is this modus operandi? Is this really working for me? Is this really the approach that I should be taking? Well, I would respond to that by saying, like, are you having fun? Because I will honestly say most first dates, I have a good time no matter what, I will enjoy somebody's company, even if they are. Do you remember when I went out with the clown guy? Yeah. <laughs> this guy like literally was becoming a clown and going to create his own clown school. And I still had a great time. And he even like called me after he left me a voicemail calling me Rachel, <laughs> which is not my name. <laughs> and then he also, when I told him that that wasn't my name, <laughs> And then he was like saying that we were the same match on the INFE or whatever, ENFP thing. Anyways, my point at being like, I look at it as like, I want to have a fun time. And it's not of like, oh, am I getting, obviously I haven't met the right person. You haven't met the right person and that's totally okay. But like setting expectations to be like, I want to have a fun night. I want to give this other person a fair and fun night as well. And the more I get, focused on like having getting to know them and making sure that they're comfortable, the more that I can also be comfortable. But I also, that's kind of where I fell into the trap of the virtual dating at the beginning was I was getting so in my own head. I couldn't even think about, Oh, I'm not comfortable. So like this person is up. Like I was picking up a lot. I was basically letting the other person's vibes dictate how I was acting instead of just being more 
sturdy in how I was. And that's how I usually am on a first date where I kind of just like, I know who I am. I'm going to present to you who I am and get to know you. And I usually will show all of my terrible insecurities on a first date so that there's no surprises, but like in a fun, quirky, endearing, self-deprecating way. Because I thought that's why even we became friends because we both were like super self-deprecating. I think some people will definitely misinterpret my self-deprecating humor for like other things, (laughs) but that's like their own problem. I I think it's hilarious. But my point being, the good dates that I had were all the super self-deprecating ones where you could really just be like I was telling this guy that I I told you about, the one who looks like Matt Damon. Uh, Oh, but one of the things that we bonded over, not bonded over, but I opened up a lot to him and I was telling him about like, I have to pee a lot of the time. Like my bladder is <laughs> very small and I just have to pee all the time. And so I was like, I have to pee. Like we had a four hour date and I had to pee like four times throughout the date because I was like, sorry, I'm going to go pee again. Relatable. I'm having, he's like, I wasn't sure if you were going to come back. And I was like, oh, believe me. I was like, this is like the best date ever. But, or like, I don't know. I just was telling him, like, I feel like we opened up a lot on like bullying issues and things that I would never open up about to anybody else and like yeah absolutely and I think I'm totally with you like when you can get to that when you feel like you're having fun and you're totally yourself and comfortable that's what I think we all aim for in that first date I think that I'm that thousand percent with you that fun should be the focus because when you get in your head about thinking beyond that in that first date then that's when it becomes not fun. And you don't like the date is just a total bust. If you're like thinking beyond just in the moment in the conversation, which is like, that applies to so many things in life, not just dating, when you're out with your girlfriends, like you should, I mean, all of us would be happier if we really strive to live more for the moment rather than the future. But I think that the the challenge that I've run into is that when you do have that connection and you do have that fun with that person and then it doesn't materialize into something, then it's like this letdown. And it's so hard to know at what point you can trust somebody, I feel like now, and and how to read them and maintaining that view of, oh, I'm just doing this for fun when you start to become emotionally invested in the person because you have a four-hour date. Because I know I wear my emotions on my sleeve. And if I'm if I'm being totally honest with myself, if I have a four-hour date with someone and feel like we're really bonding and having fun together, I'm going to believe there's a connection there. And to then just brush it off and be like, oh, let's say that person then doesn't follow up or doesn't reciprocate then I'm going to feel like, oh my gosh, did I totally misread this? And I know that so many women can relate to that and men too. I think it goes both ways. I've talked to guys who felt the same way. And you know, this guy I went out with, he may have felt that way about me because we did have a very, I mean, it was a very easy conversation and he may have felt like there was a really strong connection, whereas I didn't. And so I think that's one of the big challenges in dating right now is kind of piggybacking off of what we were talking about with there being like a big pool is that even when you do connect with someone like you did with Matt Damon. My Matt Damon. You're Matt Damon. So sad. I haven't even given anybody like that. I'll get to the rest of the story. I still need to see a photo of him even though it's in the past because I was living vicariously through you for a week. (sighs) 
it was okay. So I will say, even though it was like a week and a half and three days of 10 hours, which is like a whole work day, but, um, that's like in quarantine life, like at least a two month relationship. I know. At least. You guys were like about to get married. I was convinced. I know. And then he just broke up with me out of the blue. Well, so like you were saying about like it's dating is fun and then it's like you catch feelings. And I think that's exactly what happened with this is like I was starting to feel things because I'm a human who feels things <laughs> as much as I don't want to sometimes. Unfortunately, do have too many feelings. And I think also this quarantine being isolated alone definitely made me even more vulnerable to more. I think maybe my reaction to it was a little bit dramatic when I if I'm like looking to my future self looking back at myself now being like oh Rebecca you did not need to cry four days over this (laughs) (laughs) but you're so right I think that because there's and we've talked about this in normal life you may go out with someone you really like and if it doesn't work out yeah you're down but you have all of these other distractions you can go out to dinner with girlfriends you can go have a fun night dancing you can go to a movie you can do so many things that we now can't do. And so you're literally left in your house with your feelings and maybe a bottle of wine. All I have is pasta, bread, thank God for Jane bread being open. Exactly. And yeah, so many feelings. And I definitely felt all the feelings. And it's just like, I don't know, it was such a bummer. And I'm still really bummed. I cried a lot yesterday. And I don't know. It's like, I feel like Love is Blind, the show. I really made fun of it a lot. And now I kind of get, I kind of feel bad for Jessica now that I've actually had some time to like really think about just like how you can develop something with somebody who's not even there, but there. And like you get to see, cause like, I don't know, you just, he like sang me songs on his guitar and like he showed me, he did a fashion show of his shoes for me. Like, and he showed me his skincare regimen at night. Like all these things that you would never get on a first date or a second date or a third. And like, I don't know, you just see way more of in like your vulnerabilities and like your, I don't know, not so, I don't know, just different sides that you would never get. Well, it's, it's like this false sense of intimacy, which I think we talked about when you're, I think that that's the, the downside. Another downside of virtual dating is that you're in your home, you're like, whatever, maybe in your pajamas, maybe you're not, but you're in your home environment. And it, for that reason alone, because you can like do a shoe fashion show or like show that person your skincare regimen. Like that's like, we're a couple status conversation, know. you know, like you wouldn't see any of that. And so you suddenly feel more connected with that person than you ever could have. I know. And, you know, prior to this, after just a couple of dates. And so it's building that yet you still haven't even met that person in person. So you have this false sense of, oh, we're something that maybe, maybe we're not even yet. I think it's way easier to focus on all of the good things too. So I definitely am like looking, I'm always, you know, me, I'm like an eternal optimist. So I'm always looking for green flags and not red flags. So like I kind of lost over when he said like, oh, I'm not looking to ever get married. And I'm like, ooh, like I'll convert you to like my my <laughs> side. Like I would have You didn't tell me that. Well, sorry. Yeah, I see. I'm kind of good at like you omitted that important piece of it. Yeah, because I'm really good at just being like, oh, but like, so he went to my middle school. He's from Lafayette. Sorry, I hope he doesn't listen. I don't think he would. But did you tell him about the podcast? I gave him a really loose overview, saying that we were creating a lifestyle <laughs> brand about dating and matchmaking. 
and that we because I gave him a refrigerator tour and he's like why do you have so much Sophia champagne I was like oh my friend and I are doing this thing and I had to kind of like give like a really 30,000 feet bird's eye view I was like I, I told him about our events and I was and then he's like well can I go and I was like oh no you're for me like on the side like, I'm not you're not, I'm not putting you in the pool especially now when you look like Matt Damon a young Matt Damon I know the star of those events point being I don't I don't know what my point was well I think I think we were just kind of summarizing our dating experiences in (laughs) in the era of COVID-19 and how it's going or not going and I know that we asked you via social media what you wanted us to talk about and I think the majority of you said this just kind of you know a recap of how this is going but we also had you submit some questions and we're going to answer a few of those now before we end to this episode yes so our first one is go to openers on bumble so i can take this one first okay yeah go for it so i always use the exact same line for everybody and this is actually on purpose not because i'm lazy it's because I don't think that you should put any effort into any one person. Like if you see a Matt Damon or you see a troll, like you should give them the exact same, I don't know, treatment so that you don't get really invested in if they respond or not. So I always say to everybody, nice face. And that's generic enough that you're not putting any special effort, but also everyone thinks it's just for them. So I say nice face, exclamation point. And I have really good luck with it. Everyone seems to think that it's just to them. And I highly recommend if you like this, that you should adopt that. Or you could also choose your own universal opener because I think it makes, it saves you a lot of time. And always, I think in my personal opinion, I don't think, you know, trying to respond to somebody's unique profile, some answer, like that's just, most times people won't respond. So you might as well just save yourself and giving them a compliment and they're going to be happy. So I take a very different approach. And I think this is where we disagree. It's not a disagreement. It's everyone has their own approach. Yeah, no. And I think I think that you have to do what feels most genuine and real to you and what feels right. So when I am on dating apps, I, I don't swipe fast. I read profiles. And I am very I'm selective with who I swipe right on. And Rebecca and I've had this conversation and I'm, I think I'm a little pickier. She, you tend to like cast a wider net, I think, and then just see who comes back, which is like one totally valid approach. And then you can kind of decide from that pool. But I tend to just be a little bit more conservative. And when I match with somebody, I actually like to pull something from their profile and comment on that to show that I actually took time to read their profile and that there is genuine interest. And if they don't respond, that's fine. But actually, so what I found is that when I do that, I get a better response. And that people, then we have a really semi, or it sets, I think, it creates more potential for a meaningful connection and conversation, which is something that is important to me from the get go. Like I I don't have an interest in meeting up with someone just by looking at their photos and profile. Like I want to have at least a day's conversation that feels like there's some kind of connection before I meet that person. So I think that's just to say like there's 
many approaches you can take and there's no right or wrong. It's you should totally do what feels best for you. And, you know, and maybe you switch your approach. If like you find that one isn't working, you try something else. My question is, I do not have a go to opener. My openers are always different and customized. (laughs) (laughs) We'll move on to the next question. Yes. The next question is Botox. I love my Botox and I've, I'm really miss my Botox right now. We both get Botox. We both love Botox. I started getting Botox about a year ago in my forehead. <laughs> and I actually ended up, Rebecca knows this, but... You just tilted your head and like, I did the exact same thing. There's like, you could start, there's a few lines, but I ended up getting, I had an appointment to get Botox the day before or the day of, I can't remember now we went into shelter in place in San Francisco and my appointment, they called the office called that day after the mayor announced and canceled my appointment. And I was like, no, we don't know how long this is going to last. Like I was counting on this. So I ended up calling another office and things had not shut down yet. So legally they were allowed to be open and they squeezed me in last minute. So I got, got like 10 units in my forehead before you're so lucky. We went into quarantine. So I'm okay for now, but I've been emailing with my people that we, you went to Hayes and I, that's where I go to. And I've been emailing them. I was like, can I set up four appointments in July and four in June just to like hedge all my bets? And I'm pretty sure they like hate me because I'm hogging. Half the <laughs> I'm like, I need to get in. Ugh, I just want you. hair salons. Botox. Well, I, I gave my. I told you I gave myself a terrible haircut, but I, well, it's up in a ponytail right now, so nobody yeah. knows. It doesn't matter. Nobody will ever know the horror, and nobody sees it. So my mom trimmed my ends a while ago. They look good. I think we're they're so dry though. I feel like my ends have gotten so dry. They look very healthy. Okay, so all right, should we take one more? Yeah. Next question. Let me see if I can find one here. How do you feel about coffee or drinks? For the first date versus dinner? I feel very strongly about this. I am very pro drinks for a first date, only because most of the time people who offer a coffee date uh, want it during the day. And I really like nighttime dates where it's dark and there's a potential to make out if it's not this current quarantine. <laughs> because I think that I think making out after a first date will A, it just makes it more fun for everybody. And you can kind of tell if there's like, you might not have a good time on the date, but then you put your mouth on their mouth and you're like, oh, I actually kind of like them now. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, like, never mind. I see you in a different light now. So with a coffee date, I I know some people do this. I just can't imagine making out after a coffee date. And I also don't really, I don't know, I drink coffee on my own in the morning and I it's like a solitary effect. I don't really like doing that. So I'm, and I also don't like dinner dates as a first date. I think it's a great second date or a third date, but it's a really big investment. And I think that having a lighthearted commitment to a first date is just drinks. And then you can, if you are having a great time, you can go get snacks. You can go get dinner if you haven't eaten, but that's my personal preference. And I will say also just in, for everything that we talk about, it's all just our own personal preference on everything. And just take it for only that. <laughs> not, we're not we're not experts, and we're just literally just sharing what we what works for us and what doesn't work for us. Yeah, totally. I think 
this question more than almost any other is it's so up to you and what you prefer. There's nothing wrong with going on a coffee date. If that's what feels most comfortable, I think you want to create the conditions where you're going to feel most comfortable. I'm definitely with Rebecca on this one. I much prefer to meet at a bar because I think that having a glass or two of wine or cocktail just makes it, you know, if you're going into a date feeling a little bit nervous, I don't, I don't tend to get nervous for dates unless I'm really interested in the person, then I will go in and I may feel a little bit jittery. And that's why I would never want to do a coffee date because if I'm jittery going in without coffee and then I'm drinking coffee, I, I have gone on coffee dates before, not for a while, but I remember one in particular where I was drinking coffee and I was like, Oh my gosh, like I feel like I was like starting to shake. And that is not attractive. That is not attractive on a first date. I just felt like I was so anxious, even though there was nothing to be anxious about. But it was, I realized it was the coffee and like, that coupled with having a conversation with somebody that you've never met before, it just did not go well for me. And I don't think that person even picked up on it. But it was like this feeling I had inside where I was like, I'm not enjoying this, like I'm starting to shake. So I say if you do want to do a coffee date, make it a tea date and choose herbal tea over caffeinated tea or some other beverage like a milkshake. But I prefer my preference is definitely a bar, preferably like a semi like not super quiet, and overly intimate, but also not a noisy, super noisy bar because I've been on first dates before where I could barely hear the person. And that was weird because we're like screaming at each other and trying to like communicate. And then when you don't know someone well, it's almost embarrassing to be like, sorry, what? Like for the fifth time, like, I can't hear you. And that, that never looks attractive. So I really like going to popular wine bars on a first date because there are usually a number of people there, but the environment is such that it's not going to be like wild or crazy. And they usually have really good food at wine bars too, like cheese boards or like fun little appetizers. And like you were saying, if it goes well, then it's really easy to move on to food. So you can start with a glass of wine or a cocktail. And then if the conversation's going well and you want to get food, then it's just an easy transition. And I have a pretty hard no rule to dinner on a first date. I have been on a few first dinner dates. And for the most part, I regretted every single one because I think only one of them went well. And I think the problem with a dinner date is that you're committing to much more time with that person. So if it doesn't go well, you don't have an option because you, you have to eat your meal. And, you know, so I think that it's better to start small and then grow if it goes well. So start with drinks or whatever, coffee, tea, and then move on and go somewhere else or order food rather than committing to a full meal and being stuck with that person for at least an hour and a half, possibly two hours. If it's not, if it's not, that you want to be doing. You know what I also love is when you're on a really good date and you're having so much fun and then the guy, he'll be like, 
do you want to check out this new bar that's around the corner that has this really good gin and tonic or something that's like, you know, yeah, that's the best. I would, there's nothing more that I would love to do right now than go to this new place and explore this drink and whatever. Those are the best dates when you end up going to two, three, four spots. There's so much fun and like time stops and that's when it feels kind of magical and unreal. It's, I, you know, when I was in Philadelphia and the person I went on a date with there may listen to this podcast, but that's okay. So be it. We had this first date and I'm not going to go into the backstory of how we met, but it ended, it started at a wine bar and then we ended up going to another bar and then to another bar and ended at another speakeasy at like two or three in the morning. And it was so much fun. And like, I don't typically do that on a first date, but that is a first date, even though it ended up not going anywhere long-term, we're still in touch, but that's a first date that I will never forget. And I don't have any regrets because it was fun and it ended in a makeout, like you said. And even though like, even though it didn't go, like, even though we're not getting married or we're not like boyfriend, girlfriend right now, I don't regret any of that because it was such a fun night. And those are the memorable dates. And it it is the best. I I 100% agree with you. I just can't wait till we can get back to quote unquote normal and we can go make out with boys. And I'm feeling nostalgic right now. Also, I just think that we also want to thank Squadcast, who is helping us with this remote podcasting, and then also Studio Pod SF yes. that is helping us edit. Many thanks. Many, many thank yous. <laughs> All the thank yous. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, I think our next episode, we're actually going to do a special where it's all going to speak Q&A. Mm-hmm. So we'd love for you to submit more questions. We actually have quite a list here. So we'll probably answer some of those, but we'll give you an opportunity after this airs to submit more questions and they can be follow-up questions to anything we discussed on this podcast or related to COVID-19 quarantine life or not. And then I think we're hoping to eventually have a guest and maybe we'll do that on our fourth or fifth episode. Once we first get into the hang of this whole thing. Yeah. We're still just novices at this. And thank you for your patience with us. We're definitely going to get on a routine schedule. Yeah. Um, it just takes a little while to get set up here. Yeah. And we both have just been going through like roller coaster after the Rona coaster yeah. is what I call it. The Rona coaster. <laughs> But yeah, if you're not following us on Instagram, Dating in the Bay, and Sarah's going to be making more appearances, which I'm really excited about. So you never know when she'll pop in. Maybe this week. Maybe this week. Stay tuned.